0: This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith.
1: Thanks for listening to the Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And on this episode, we're going to be doing kind of a deep dive on uh, the problem of evil. We're going to be picking up kind of where we left off. I know it's been a handful of weeks. You've had quite a few fruit snacks to be able to listen to, um, really digging into this idea of are people really good? And uh, the other topic of, you know, unevangelized, then getting into eternal punishment. Um, And today's Conversation is going to be kind of broad strokes. Um, obviously, Steve covered quite a bit in those fruit snacks. So uh, if you want a, a deeper dive individually on some of these things, uh, go back, listen to those uh, fruit snacks. I mean, we're looking at episodes like 166 uh, up through about 185. So uh, we're going to be touching on quite a bit here. A nice uh, little chunk. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's also some current events stuff that we'll talk about, you know, that kind of ties in with a lot of this topic. So it will get a little deep, but hang in there with us, you know, as we've said a few times over, this is some heavy stuff, but deep is kind of what we do here. Yeah. In in case you're new, (laughs) it's the idea of the roots in rooted podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, let's, I guess just quickly, you know, hit on the, the, initial topic really about the the question of, you know, are people really good? Yeah, I, I was having
2: this thought as you were talking, Brady, that I think one of the most important takeaways that people could have for just this problem of evil series mm-hmm. that we're doing this season is that not only are there good answers for all of these questions, but that all of these questions are interrelated, mm-hmm. that like the doctrines that we are discussing on the fruit snacks, like the doctrine of hell, for instance, or the doctrine of human depravity, aren't just doctrines that sort of float out there as standalones. Like Christians believe this because of these verses. And then we, you know, we flit over here to this doctrine and say, and then because of these verses, Christians believe this about this thing over here. And I think part of what the last three big questions, which would be about the last four weeks or so of uh, fruit snacks on this topic, hopefully are starting to illustrate is that all of these topics sort of flow into one another and they're interrelated. So for instance, the, the Bible very clearly teaches that without God, people aren't good. That because of our rebellion, we don't want God and we don't want anything to do with God. And that that would be who we are unless God intervened in our situation. And that is sort of the the answer to the question about whether or not good people really exist. And, and of course, no, not without God. Mm-hmm. But that directly flows into the other two big questions that we just covered on the fate of the unevangelized and and just evangelism in general. And then the doctrine of hell, because if people don't want anything to do with God and they don't want God just as a sort of default setting without the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives then that means that the the whole prospect of evangelism and the fate of the unevangelized and things like that means that again unless God intervenes in people's lives there's really no reason to think that people would want God at all and so it's only by the grace of God that the gospel message changes anyone's heart. And then therefore, that also then leads into this doctrine of hell, where for those who who do reject God, who who don't want God, there's, again, no reason to think that they won't go on and continue to not want God throughout all of eternity and and to continue to reject him. And so all of these questions are sort of, if we get if we get the right frame of this is who people are and this is who they will continue to be throughout eternity into the life to come then all of these questions start to make sense when we just look at people from a realistic biblical sense and it sort of it sort of gives us the right landscape to approach all these questions and we see that well, because of this answer over here, it just the next answer to the next question sort of naturally flows out. And yeah. there's a lot of that because even in the weeks to come, we're going to get out of uh, we're going to sort of shift gears. But we're going to get into to really hard questions that then find their answer, at least for us, because of a libertarian perspective in free will. And so f- because of free will. Therefore, A, and then therefore B, and then therefore C. It's all going to sort of again flow out of a very similar uh, answer. And so, theology and doing doing theology from the Bible is not just picking a couple verses and saying, "Well, this is this is what the Bible says about that." It is understanding uh, more of the context and more of just the broad themes and ideas in the Bible. Right and how they all sort of form a cohesive whole right that we talk about the christian worldview all the time but a worldview is by definition a cohesive package it's not just a couple proof text it is a way of looking at things in a way of of basically it colors how you look at everything um, in in every aspect of life and it's not any different when it comes to doctrine and so Uh, I just want to throw that out there because all of this ties in together and there is no, really no doctrine that doesn't flow into or out of other doctrines in the Christian worldview because we believe the Bible tells one cohesive story about us, about God, about the way things uh, were and are and ultimately will
1: be. And all of
2: it, all of it
1: sort of fits together. Yeah, no, that's really good. And. You know, I, I love the way both your seminar and, and so far how you've you've kind of broken up the podcast, uh, you know, the fruit snacks as well as our deep dives to really kind of outline this conversation to help understand. OK, this is obviously the whole picture, but, you know, as you mentioned in one of the earlier uh, fruit snacks, you know, what is what does God's word say about this as a whole? And you're yeah. not just looking at one specific passage and saying, well, let's look at these literal words And therefore, we're going to drive our entire conversation around that. But rather, like you just said, it's the it's the whole picture. It's it's in there all over. Yeah, it's not just uh, it's not just
2: the base value and sometimes overly wooden reading of a verse that gives us an entire doctrine. Right. Uh, There's uh, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before that the apologist Greg Kokel likes to say never read a Bible verse. And it's that idea of, you know, never read something out of its context, that you have broader context that is necessary to really understand a passage. But as you grow and mature in Bible study and you start to read more, too, about the ancient context and the way that people who lived and wrote during the time of Jesus and the disciples thought about the world and approached things, and even in the Old Testament context— you also start to realize that sometimes it's not even the words that you're reading. Sometimes there are allusions to things in the Old Testament. There's echoes of things in the New Testament that are sort of implications. They're passing references to Old Testament theology. And this is not really anything to do with the problem of evil, but just something that I've been studying recently and I shared with the youth Uh, a week or so ago, is that in the Gospel of Luke, when we read about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, there is, I I think, a very obvious uh, connection between the temptation of Jesus and the Old Testament narrative about Israel wandering in the desert. And at face value, that doesn't seem like there'd be any connection there, but when you start to see what Luke is doing as an author and the, the the parallels that he's starting to create in that passage, it becomes obvious that there's no other way to read it. For, for instance, every time that Jesus answers Satan uh, when he's tempted, he only quotes from two different places. He quotes either from Deuteronomy 6 or Deuteronomy 8. So, Even though uh, the devil actually quotes from other passages in the Old Testament from Psalm 91, Jesus only quotes from the early chapters of Deuteronomy. And the direct context for those chapters specifically is about Israel wandering in the wilderness and coming out of Egypt and heading to the Promised Land. And what's interesting about that is every point at which Jesus is tempted has a direct callback to a similar point that Israel was tempted in and failed. And everywhere Israel failed, Jesus succeeds. And we even have illusions up, up to the point where, uh, you know, if you ever wondered why, why did Jesus wander for 40 days in the wilderness before he was tempted? Well, when you get the context that Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy uh, and you realize that Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years, Jesus wandered in the desert for 40 days and then was was tested in every point that Israel was and where they failed he succeeded then like I said it becomes obvious there's no other way to read this passage you have to this is what Luke is trying to show us that Jesus is the where, whereas Israel was intended to be the representation of God to the nations in the Old Testament and they were a poor one Jesus is the perfect representation of God to the nations in in the New Covenant, and it, it's there's a direct through line there. So the point is, though, that you're never going to find in those passages and a, a verse that says, this is, this is what's going on, this is how you're supposed to read this passage. It's just something that you pick up from a, a thematic standpoint. It's something that you just see as you spend time in the in the bible and you get more familiar with different parts of the bible and it's the same way with these doctrines right is that yes there are verses that teach certain things but as you get familiar with reading more passages in the bible as you become just overall more immersed in scripture you'll start to notice these themes and these mm. ideas and these callbacks and these implications That aren't explicit in the text, but that anyone in the original context or audience would have absolutely been thinking. And that's our job. Our job is to get back into that headspace so that we can understand it the way that they understood it. And when you do, you start to realize that there are ideas about who we are as people, not only in relation to God, but in relation to one another and stuff that are, again, very obvious to first century uh, folks, but are not necessarily the way we think, and that's why it's so important for us to frame how we see ourselves and how we see our our nature, our true nature, uh, apart from God and relationships with others, in light of God's ideas about us, and not whatever our modern context says. Because very clearly, our our modern society has gone very far. Uh, a field of mm. what these ideas about humans and, and what it means to be a human is, uh, when we compare it to the, the themes and the ideas that we find in,
1: in scripture. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And I think you've summed it up really well because, you know, as you go through and you're, you're talking through, you know, kind of this just general topic of, people being really good or you know if they really are and then getting into this idea of the unevangelized and kind of is it really that they're not getting the message right and then you look at some of the reasoning as to maybe why there's that oppression right you had references for you know China and Japan and Mm -hmm. you know really all throughout history and then you really see still that theme all the way through it of people aren't good and it's obvious through all of these things. And then you get into the, you know, doctrine for hell and you look at, well, if people really aren't good now, what makes you think that they're gonna be good then? And are they deserving of heaven? Are we deserving of heaven or are we deserving of hell? Right. You know, and it's it's holistic, right? Looking at the doctrines and and, and comparing them to each other and, and looking at this theme as a broad topic and not just scripture by scripture.
2: Yeah. The, the biggest challenge for, for people, I think, and, and this is saying this as someone who was in this position when I first started studying this stuff, the biggest challenge for folks, as you look at a topic, like the problem of evil really comes down to, do you, when the Bible says, this is the case, do you actually believe the Bible? Right. I mean, in your heart of hearts, do you, you read that verse that says, no one is good. No one wants God. Do you really believe it? And it it can be a gut check moment because we, this can be a topic where we find out that there are a lot of passages of scripture that we've just paid lip service to Mm -hmm. that we don't actually really believe. And that should challenge us uh, to take the Bible more seriously and not just sort of wave off these verses that seem extreme. I, I don't think they're extreme at all. In fact, you know, studying this problem has made me, in general, far less trusting of people. <laughs> I, as a as a general rule, I, I don't. I really don't trust people. Uh, I don't trust their motives. I don't trust their heart, and that's not necessarily because I'm a cynical person, I think Brady would tell you and a lot of other people who know me that I, tr- I try to be very outgoing and friendly and stuff. But just when it really comes down to it, unless you know Jesus, unless I know that you are a new creation, the the old man, there's very little there that's honestly trustworthy uh, because our hearts are so wicked and deceitful and deceptive. We We can deceive and delude ourselves. Yeah. Um, and we were talking earlier this week, that's a a perfect example of that right now in our immediate news and and context, at least in the Christian world is the just unbelievably epic fall of Robbie Zacharias. And I absolutely wanted to bring that up in this conversation. I told Brady beforehand that I did, because first of all, it's, too big of a issue to just ignore yeah especially when we're on the topic of human depravity and (laughs) evil in the world and Mm -hmm. i'll I'll just be blunt what this man has has done and, and has perpetrated on so many victims over the years is evil it's unequivocally evil it is it is sin of the highest magnitude and there there are no excuses there are no justifications for it and honestly even even hearing and reading about his his defending himself as and having done nothing wrong right up until his, his uh deathbed it makes me question whether he was ever repentant about any of this sin in his life at all and again i, I don't know his heart only god knows the heart But looking at what is there for us to see and to examine, it leaves me with more questions than answers for sure. But it also is a a great um, lesson in just how, as I said, no one knows someone's heart truly other than that person and God. And that even people who are supposedly above it all um, at least that was the persona that, that he used for years and years and years, while the reality was uh, could not have been further from that, and he's embroiled in all sorts of depravity and sin, it is that this is who we are. Th- this is who we are without God right. in our lives. This is who we are without the Holy Spirit renewing our minds and transforming us from the inside out. Uh, we we can become very efficient sinners, and I think in many ways he became just very adept at at knowing what to say. But it doesn't mean that—I um, mean, I, I won't say one way or the other whether he was uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing or not, because I honestly don't know. As I said, only God knows. But there is enough there to say that, uh, I mean— for my part, I know in the past episodes and things we had in years past, we we've quoted Ravi, we've recommended some of Ravi's books and other other things that he has said and done. And I'll just say that based on what I know now, if I could go back, I never would have, uh, never would have plugged any of his stuff. But of course, we didn't know then what we know now. But it's just um, it's an example where you know it can happen to anyone. Anyone who is allowing sin a foothold in their lives, you're you're asking for it. Um, scripture says that it, sin will find us out, and that's exactly what happened here. Uh, I I think my only real wish is that uh, it it would have happened while he was alive, so that he could have faced the the consequences uh, for his actions, and that uh, that his that his victims could have had probably a, a more complete sense of, of justice and closure, rather than all this coming out after after his death. But I mean, it's it's a, a huge blow for people who uh, hold their faith because of some person other than Jesus. Frankly, yeah. if if. If you believe the gospel because of Ravi or because of Greg Kokel or because of William Lane Craig or because of J.P. Moreland or any any apologist that's out there, then your, your faith is misplaced. Yeah. Um, but that does not mean that as evangelists, as teachers, that we ought ought not to reflect uh, the character of of jesus we Mm -hmm. absolutely should and it's just that it's really difficult sometimes to separate the message from the messenger and in this case um i mean i don't think we'll really know ever the full impact of this but i can say with a high degree of confidence that there are people who will likely walk away from christianity because of this this reality and i think while on the one hand their decision is their own that they're responsible for their own decisions i do think there's also going to be some of that responsibility laid at the feet of of ravi because Mm -hmm. he had a responsibility this is why james says don't let many of us become teachers because we will Mm -hmm. receive a stricter judgment he absolutely will bear responsibility for the spiritual fate at least in part of those who looked to his ministry, uh, while he was, while he was just living a completely sinful life. It, it's, it's just an absolute tragedy. It's a shame. There's, I mean, I I've gone through the full gamut of emotion this last couple of weeks, just sadness, anger, just depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I barely, you know, I, I barely followed the guy, but it's just, it always, really bothers me when the same kind of behavior that we condemn in the world is something that comes out amongst uh, a supposed great christian leader Uh, in some cases it's even worse than what you find out in the world and that's just it's it's just it's maddening It, it grieves grieves our hearts um and that, you know, that flows into what you had asked about, Brady, about, you know, these other doctrines of unevangel- the unevangelized and hell and all these other things, because again, all of it is tied up uh, into, into one big package. Uh, I was talking with my wife a few weeks ago, and she was sharing some stories in the news that came up where, uh, you know, while we're thinking about the unevangelized, that yes, there are those who have heard because of... Christian ministries like Ravi's, who now may walk away, but by the same token, there's also other things going on in the world where people who are hearing the gospel legitimately and are um would maybe respond if they if they could are now having actively having those opportunities taken away from them. For instance, there are in China right now uh, there are Christian families who the the Chinese government is uh, threatening uh, or actually in some cases taking away their uh, adopted children because they see their the, the parents' Christianity, their Christian faith, as a, as a threat. And they're actually going in and they're removing children and, and threatening to send them to re-education camps. And again, I look at that and I look at uh, that situation and compare it to what we talked about on the fruit snacks where if you go back hundreds of years, how did China treat the gospel? Well, that doesn't seem any different to me than how China is treating the gospel today. Right? They're trying to stamp it out and kill it mm-hmm. and, and remove it and threaten people out of their faith. And I think for for those who are are truly... Uh, known by Jesus and committed to to following Him, that that's not going to happen. But it doesn't mean that their lives aren't going to get significantly harder. And we also have the story that came out. I don't know if you heard about this one, but the, a pastor in Canada became the first uh, the first pastor in Canada to be arrested uh, and put in jail simply for uh, having a church service. He he was arrested and jailed because he did his duty. As a pastor and he had church and so right there I mean people were saying and, and some of the articles of his friends and family who were there just said, you know he knew he he knew that uh, that he was uh, defying the law of of the land, but he also, as any Christian would say is knew that he he was held to a higher standard as well that mm-hmm. it, it was God's law he needed to follow and that there is very clearly in scripture, a, a command for us to uh, to to meet together and to worship together and to fellowship together and to serve one another to get together and to be the body. And he was committed to doing that and to sharing the gospel, regardless of the consequences. And and he he has some consequences. So we need to be praying for for him. We need to be praying for these believers in in China mm-hmm. because they are actively trying to spread the gospel. And there are countries, and their their countries are actively working against them yeah. to to stop the spread of the gospel. And so, the unevangelized, or, or you know, those who reject Christ, sort of fall right into the middle. It's it's on the one hand, those who have heard and then reject for a myriad of reasons, uh, whether they're good good or not. Um, and then on the other hand, you have people who um are are trying to be reached and there are other people who are actively working to prevent it mm-hmm. and so it gets back to human depravity uh, yeah. as well but i mean in a word the the whole world's just a mess <laughs> and but that's also not anything new yeah either and uh so yeah there's just so a lot there it's just a big messy uh big messy situation uh, it is all the way around and again this is though the world this is what scripture tells us about the world that in the last days difficult times will come that men will come and they will deceive that there will be false teachers and that wickedness will will get worse and worse and and people will call evil good and good evil and we're seeing all of these things happening right in front of us right now and so again once again when scripture says something do we believe it i think we have good reasons to, to take scripture at its word here, uh, because all this stuff is just in the last couple of weeks is playing
1: out uh, right in front of us. Yeah. And I just want to take a moment to just recognize and, and really kind of identify those people that are in spite of the persecution or the threats or, you know, the damnation that they might receive here on earth are still Willing to fulfill their duty to evangelize, to further the kingdom here on earth. I think if more Christians had that mentality and that commitment and courage, first of all, the world would be a better place. Uh, but how much greater uh, to the glory of God and to God's kingdom? So mm-hmm. I just want to call that out. I know you, you know, you highlighted a handful there, and I just think take a moment, you know, pray on that, think on that. And, and really absorb that and 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 recognize those that step out not just out of their comfort zone but risk their lives for the glory of God. Yep, these are the
2: folks who belong right in that Hebrews chapter 11 hall of fame of faith, you know, <laughs> these are the people who in Revelation are part of that group who are the the martyrs who are crying out mm-hmm. to God for justice. The, the people who have done Nothing wrong, but who are seeking to to further God's kingdom and to share the gospel, and who are willing to take it on the chin and take whatever consequences may come their way, mm-hmm. and and the consequences come, and they they stand anyway. I mean, and this is this goes back to we've talked before. Just there's a long tradition of Christians uh, who are willing to stand up and and pay the ultimate price for the gospel of Jesus. And I am, am very hopeful that in our generation and in the generations to come, that there will always be those, those people. I, I pray that no one has to make that choice, but by the same token, I, I know that there are many of us who, if we had to, would gladly make that choice. Um, but it's just, it still breaks your heart that anyone has to, but it's it's the way it is. Things aren't going to be perfect right. in this life. Um they're going to be far from it. And things are only going to get worse until uh until Jesus comes back and and takes it over again. Right. So, you're right. Yeah, the these folks are um I think God is giving them the the peace and the strength and the courage that they need to stand up in difficult times. I think the the stress, the amount of stress that they are facing in these moments is, I think, frankly, beyond what any what any normal human is capable of of enduring, and yet they're doing it with grace, and and a peace that can't be explained, and all these other things, and it's just evidence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, um, that that God is there, and that He is He's not abandoning them, and that when they need Him,
1: uh, God is God is there for all of us. I was thinking. You know, I wanted to just kind of reiterate a little bit on the, the doctrine of hell a little bit and, and get into just that idea of and and maybe tie this back into the Ravi stuff and, and some current events and just really, I guess, drive home that idea of mentioned in one of the, the fruit snacks about uh, washing off the veneer of yeah, the veneer of kind of who we are and, and and how that all ties together with, you know, people being really good. And, you know, these people who've done these evil acts to to actively you know, hold off those from learning about, you know, Christianity and, and really knowing the gospel. Yeah. I mean, just
2: that idea of, well, <laughs> as we talked about all this stuff of how bad it is and, and then the doctrine of hell, yeah, gets right into that. If you thought it was bad now, right? If you thought people were really bad now, just wait until they are in the life to come where, you know, all, all their all their real heart intentions and and motives are laid bare and there's Mm -hmm. no human niceness to sort of Mm -hmm. sugarcoat it or or hold it back. And we see people for who they really are and what they really think that like, yeah, like CS Lewis wrote, we might not, we might find them unrecognizable that some of our friends and family that we love might be, They might appear to us like the stuff out of nightmares if once we see who they really are sort of exposed like that, that core. And yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it's not a fun topic to think about at all, but it is also, I think, a necessary topic because as we talked about in the fruit snacks, hell is a problem if, in my opinion, the idea of hell as eternal punishment is a problem if you think about the, the idea of hell casually only, Mm -hmm. and as soon as you start to think about it a little bit more seriously, which again, is not something that most people want to do. So if you give it the time and if you study it out and if you start to consider it more thoroughly and really get in the weeds, the idea of Eternal punishment makes perfect sense. There's there's nothing about it, in my opinion, that causes any kind of cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. because of course those who are in hell are going to continue uh are, are gonna continue hating God and rebelling against God and wanting nothing to do with God. Of course they're gonna continue to sin. Of course they're gonna continue to uh, to reject God and and anything that has to do with Him. And of course, they're going to refuse to submit to Him as uh, Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, all of these, you know, I mean, I think we would all agree, like obviously, very obviously, no one is going to get to hell and suddenly be a good person. Right. Do we think that any good people are going to be in hell? Of course not. Right? Like, when we, when we think about hell and its citizens we think about just the worst of the worst doing the worst of the worst to each other right and and so on and so forth well none th- this is just yeah it just makes sense sin is going to continue in hell and so punishment is going to continue in hell and what's the issue right it just seems like it goes hand in glove when we stop to really consider just what exactly it is that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and also, yes, there are descriptions in scripture of physical torment, but I, I think that most people focus far too much on the physical torment and Mm -hmm. anguish that, that hell will include. And again, I don't want to downplay it, but like we, like I shared in the fruit snacks, I think we we can massively overstate that aspect as well yeah. to the point where we're going way, way beyond Scripture. And instead, we really need to consider the emotional and the spiritual aspects of the pain and torment that hell is going to bring as well. That these are, uh, consider for a moment, not only being in immense physical pain and, and discomfort but also having to live as your worst self forever with your worst impulses your worst thoughts your most self-destructive uh, thought processes and and cycles the the things that we can get stuck in that just drive us nuts the the self, flagellation that we do to ourselves, the terrible thoughts that we think about ourselves, the worst impulses that we have about others to be stuck in that place. And then also to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the reason that you're there is because of the way that you see God. And and rather than causing you to humble yourself, it just causes you to hate God And that, that sort of, again, just feeds into itself forever and ever and ever. And so you're a miserable, miserable person and you're, you're, you're the worst version of yourself. If everyone in heaven is through, through Jesus and the, the, the transformation that happens there, not only are you the best version of yourself, you're actually a different best version of yourself, right? But those in hell will be the absolute worst versions of themselves. And so, yes, it'll be painful and uncomfortable, but this is going to be a place, an, an ugly, ugly place that's just filled with ugly people, people who are just awful uh, to themselves, to each other um, and, and and toward God. And that never, ever changes. You never improve. You never grow past those things. You're just stuck forever. That in and of itself, I think is, I think it's a more complete picture of what it's going to be like. And I think it also, it takes us beyond just the, you know, we, we picture someone being strapped to like a a rack or some torture device and the crank just never runs out. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, that's a very, that's a very small and I think overly narrow picture of what Mm -hmm. hell is actually going to be like. Um, the, it, and it ignores whole aspects of who we are as people. We're right. not just our bodies. Um, Our minds yeah. are likewise fallen and our, our relationship with God is likewise broken. Mm-hmm. And all of these things are going to factor into what hell is like. And it's just not something that we, you know, we focus on the torture, but that's not, I don't even know that that's really going to be the worst of it. I mean, not to say again, it's not going to be bad. I just, I think it's so much worse than that. And in ways that we can't fathom. And so, like we said in the fruit snacks, that is maybe the point. I think that hell is not supposed to be a doctrine that we feel okay about, but I think it is one that we're supposed to take seriously. And I think it's one that we are supposed to consider as again, a place that was never intended for people. Scripture says that it was prepared, the the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. That this was not originally supposed to be a place for people. And yet, where else else is there for people who want to remain rebels to the end? And so it, it is not, I think, something that primarily should be our focus in evangelism. I think the gospel message is our main focus, that What we, what Jesus has done for us on our behalf is the focus. It isn't about not going to hell. It's about going to heaven. Right. And, and yet there is also the acknowledgement that not only has God saved us to something, but he also has saved us from something. Right. And it's the whole picture of, like you said earlier, what do we deserve uh, apart from God? Is there anyone who deserves heaven? No, no. There's no one who deserves heaven and, uh, and, and that's the point. And so we can reflect on that and we can be sober about hell, but we should also always think about hell in light of heaven and the, the grace that we have and the fact that we have been redeemed
1: and forgiven and we get to go where we don't deserve instead of where we do. Right. Well, I know that was heavy and a lot to, to kind of tie into somewhat of a shorter topic, but, uh, not really. Well, I say short, but I mean, short, broad strokes. (laughs) Yeah. Big. Uh, yeah. We didn't spend a ton of time on any one of those, but, uh, I, I highly advise any of you again, listening where any one of these points that you're interested in, you know, just again, digging a little bit more into go back, re re listen to, uh, those fruit snacks. There's, there's a lot of substance in those. It's like you know those gushers. You take a bite and they kind of explode <laughs> with flavor. Yep, that. that's, uh, that's that's your fruit snacks. Explodes with flavor, <laughs> except the last couple of weeks,
2: yeah, it tastes so, like sulfur and brimstone. It, it, yeah,
1: it's not great.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Rooted Podcast, a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast, or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions, or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's rooted.productions. We hope you'll join us next time.